Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Friday, July 28th, 2017. I'm your host, Alexander Cloffey, for a super-packed show that did not start this week as a super-packed show. I'm joined today by two of our regular co-hosts for a little bit of show-and-tell right off the top. One, Donald Terrio. With a new 2DS, the, the platonic ideal of handheld gaming. And a couple of random dudes with swords, and a and a random lady with a sword. Got my double Corin, some jobber from Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> and of course the waifus, two bayonettas. Which one's the better one? I think the one on the right is the better one. The uh, the player B. Yeah, the, I, I I kind of have a thing for sh- for the shorter hair, so I'm I'm a fan of original. But hey, it's a bayonetta amiibo. Did you ever think you'd see this? No, I think I'm more shocked about seeing a Nintendo produced cloud figure. Yeah, <laughs> that is the only cloud merch I will ever buy. I even skipped out on player two. And that's an extra weird one because if you think about it, and I am thinking about it. I can't think of any appearance of Cloud in a video game for Nintendo other than the Theater Rhythm games and Smash Bros. Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Yes. He showed up in that one? Yep. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That justifies a Smash appearance, I suppose. You know what justifies a Smash appearance? Something we'll probably talk about a little bit later on. Money. Mm. Money. Money, money, money. And also joined by Justin Baruby. Hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? I got my Hey Pikmin amiibo today. Nice. (laughs) And and you're also wearing right now a Splatoon sweatshirt from the Nintendo store. Yeah, Nintendo New York. And it's got some design on the sleeve, too. And it's a nice, nice hoodie. It's one of those uh, hoodie designs that they do there. Where it's not really a hoodie, it's a t-shirt that's shaped like a hoodie. Yeah, this is a very thin one. It's it's nice for the cool house in the summer. I kind of like it. You feel modern. You feel fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel uncooked. <laughs> okay. All right. We got a full show tonight. I'm going to be checking the chat in just a little bit for your comments. But first, not the biggest news story of the week, but my favorite news story of the week, the Pokemon Go Fest Nightmare. And what I'm going to do is, the the other two fellas on the show have a lot to say, but I'm going to break down exactly how it play out from beginning to end in 60 seconds and just let them go at it. First off, uh, going to the Pokemon Go Festival, you would you would pay for these wristbands that are $20. Many people would buy them on eBay for two, three, four, five hundred $500 to attend Niantic's Pokemon Go Festival in Chicago. There were a lot of special promotions going on for Pokemon Go users who were at the festival, like extra rare Pokemon, like Heracross, which is very difficult to get in America, uh, legendary raids, and such and such and such and such. People showed up, but a lot of people couldn't connect, especially to Verizon, and they all very justifiably blamed it on Niantic. They also had about a dozen turnstiles for way too many thousands of people, which meant that some people only got to the festival grounds late afternoon. Their solution was to expand the radius of the festival promotion uh, that was going on in Pokemon Go, which led to thousands of festival goers spilling out into the city of Chicago. And then it ended up working later in the day. The event turned out kind of okay at the end for people who attended, at least to some extent. But it was such an overall disaster that Niantic offered a full wristband refund, which is just $20, and also $100 in in-game cash for everyone registered. Does that cover everything from that disaster? No. Well, I I think it's fine for the people who may live in Chicago, but for anybody who came a great distance, I don't think that fixes everything, especially people flying in. Yeah, like I... Yeah, most, go ahead. most of what I heard about this was from somebody who lives in Montreal who actually flew down to Chicago for this thing. So, sure, he got his wristband money back and he got his he got the hundred dollars in, co- in coins, which is probably way more in Canada now, even with our dollar going up. But that's still a pretty pricey plane ticket to get from, uh, say, Montreal to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Plus mm-hmm. stay there for two days or whatever it was, however long he had the hotel for. So... 
really, I mean, part of the blame has to be given to Niantic for not making the proper arrangements with the cell phone carriers to make sure that there was enough capacity for 30,000 people. Because Grant Park is, you know, the it's like the central meeting point in Chicago. It's, you know, you see presidential acceptance speeches given there. That's a lot of people. But I used to work for a cell phone carrier. And I know at the time, like for big events, we would get notice that, yes, we're going to be sending out cells on wheels or cows to the site of like, I don't know, the Super Bowl to make sure that we're not going to look bad with having no signal. Because I think the only carrier that actually worked for most of the day was Sprint. And they're like an advertiser. Yeah. yeah. So. I think but, it goes to show. I, I think it goes to show what happens when you hold a Pokemon event without Nintendo being directly involved. I, I think we've seen many times over the past several years that the Pokemon company isn't big enough to do something on the polished scale of a Pokemon game without Nintendo sort of sort of stepping in. Because this, this was a Pokemon company, and especially Niantic event. This was a disaster. Go back to the last thing the Pokemon company uh, attempted to handle almost entirely on their own, which is Pokken, which had some Nintendo involvement, but it sounds like that was very limited. And then before that, go to every Pokemon World Championships, and it's one of the most bare-bones events you, you could possibly expect. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not really surprised. Well, and, and this time they were throwing things at, at the Niantic people on stage at some point, but at least they weren't throwing, you know, literal feces like at uh, that one world championship a few years ago. Yeah, Wait, I mean, which all world championship? What, what happened? Um, at, I believe it was the 2012 World Pokemon Championships. I think a delegation from Spain got DQ'd for literally flinging feces in the hotel rooms, in the hotel hall. <laughs> okay, That's go ahead, awful. Justin. Yeah, and like I've, there was also that part where early in the day, I think everybody was booing the CEO of Niantic as he came on stage, and there's mm -hmm. videos of it online. It's just a disaster on every level of this event. It, you couldn't think of ways to make this worse. It may have been better if the whole event got rained out which apparently almost happened. Yeah. They were, they were chanting, like, fix the game, fix the game at, at uh, the guy from Niantic. It was kind of disturbing. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel for Niantic a little bit. Not because it's, it's, it's still their fault, and it's still totally their fault, and, and, like, it's their fault they had this disaster. But the part I feel bad about is having all of these best intentions to make a really nice celebration of a game that a lot of people loved and to think you planned for everything and to think you, you figured it all out and then it all falls apart and it all falls apart in a way that when, when people are going to be thinking about like the worst things to happen in games this year, I can't think of anything worse than this Pokemon Go event so far. Yeah, it was bad. And even the event in general was confusing, especially as someone who is trying to figure out it all out. There were like these windows of time that were 30 minutes long where everybody, even people not at the event, were supposed to just catch as many Pokemon as possible and then you'd unlock rewards. But they didn't really make it clear how many we were supposed to catch. They just had like weird bars going up on the screen that they'd have during their live stream event. But just having a bar go up doesn't really... It lets you know if you're getting closer or not, but you have no idea how much progress is actually being made or anything like that. It's Solid numbers would have been nicer and a better explanation of how the rewards would have been handed out. But in the end, they ended up just giving them all away anyway. Hey, hey Justin, want to know a secret? It doesn't matter how many people could connect. Those bars were meant to go up at an exact interval. Yeah, I, <laughs> probably, but still... The, it's ridiculous. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're actually tracking it. But they're good nobody... people who really effed up is what it sounds like this event was. Oh yeah. I mean I feel horrible for the people in Niantic, but <laughs> it's also their fault and they kind of yeah. they didn't ask for it, but they did the things that led to this happening. Yeah, but I I'm sure some of it they didn't foresee happening. It was just a horrible accident, really. <laughs> you make it sound like someone died. Well, they they darn near <laughs> did. I mean, some of those bottles can do some pretty severe damage. Yeah.
yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also, Justin, tell me about these legendary raids. Well, first of all, first of all, they uh, did have the raids start for uh, Lugia and Articuno because apparently Team Mystic, whose legendary bird is Articuno, won the Go Fest by catching the most Pokemon during it or something like that. I'm not even sure. So Articuno <laughs> came out along with Lugia at these level five or tier five raids. And uh, they've been rough. I mean, I caught, caught both of them. Uh, Lugia took me two attempts. Articuno took me five attempts. But uh, yeah, I've, you really need to go to a place where a lot of people are playing. And I found a place, luckily. And you'd be surprised how many people are still playing this game when like an event like this hit on top of all the rewards from the, uh, not just the legendaries, but the rewards for the, everything else that was unlocked at GoFest. So uh, everybody, I guess, unlocked uh, double experience for like three days, uh, extra candy, uh, walking distance was halved for buddy candy, uh, walking distance for eggs was halved or lowered significantly, probably more than halved. Uh, the game was like on super easy mode for three days. And then when everybody thought that would end, they did the apology tour part of it where it extended for even more days until I think it ended last night around 8 PM Eastern. So mm -hmm. it was nuts. Like people were just, Oh yeah. X double stardust as well, which is the most limiting resource in the game. So all of this was put together to make for everyone who didn't go to Pokemon go fest, a uh, great event. <laughs> It sounds like the people who had the best time at Pokemon Go Fest are the people who play Pokemon Go, live in Chicago, but did not go to Pokemon Go Fest. Yeah, I mean, they got the benefit of also getting all those rare Pokemon. But also part of that, uh, a, a part of the event unlocking was extra spawns everywhere, too. So there were Pokemon everywhere. It was just nuts how much stuff was out there the last few days. And on top of the legendary raids and the special deals on tickets to play them on the, in the shop, which are actually still there, I think. Um, it's it's been a fun time playing Pokemon in this during this event. What what <laughs> what, what I don't are they doing it like did they send out the birds based on the order of the teams? Yeah, whoever won. So Articuno won, and that's going away on Monday, they said, and being switched with Moltres, and then a week after that, Moltres is being switched with Zapdos. Okay, because I, I was wondering why it went Uno, Trace, Dos, instead yeah. of Uno, Dos, Trace, but I, I suppose if they're doing it based on the order that the team's finished at this thing, then that makes sense. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Nice. Nice. Not nice, really. TRBR says in the chat, he says, I was saying, that the Pokemon Go Festival mishap is one of the worst events in gaming to happen in the year. But he posits that the DSP Music DMCA is way worse than the Pokemon nonsense, and also Splatoon 2's voice chat is worse than anything ever always. On the first point, uh, it, it, was, it was that was kind of a slightly smaller scale news story, as I remember it. A, a really, really, really awful thing. That was a slightly smaller scale news story than the Pokemon thing. For Splatoon 2's voice chat, you're right, and also I think few enough people play voice chat that the Pokemon Go nonsense might have actually affected more people. At least there's a workaround with Discord for the Nintendo voice chat. And, as we discussed, I believe on last week's show, this isn't the final version of the app. We know it's the early version of the app. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying this is acceptable, but this isn't the final version. So speak up and hopefully it gets fixed by the time we have to start paying for that. Right, right. I think that covers the Pokemon. Are you having fun with, with the birds, Justin? Oh yeah, uh, Articuno is rough though. Like I said, it took six attempts. The catch rate's really low and there are ways to make it go up if your ice badge is up. I mine silver, so that helped. And uh, if you hit like good throws and curveballs, it'll bring it up. I think to around ten or thirteen percent. Mm -hmm. And you get aren't, multiple balls. So aren't there some people who have had one of the legendary birds for almost a year now? That was a glitch or something, and they took it away. 
So, so they actually de-gave people those birds. Yeah, somehow those birds just wound up in some people's inventories or something like that. Oh, oh that's weird. Okay, let's talk about Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age is coming west in the year 2018. Platforms are still to be announced. Screenshots are from the console version of the game. And uh, Famitsu gave the game a perfect score because it comes out in Japan today, a.k.a. tomorrow, a.k.a. today. And my guess is that either the Square Enix Western people aren't sure if they can handle all three platforms and are still figuring it out, or they actively know that either the Switch and or 3DS versions aren't coming over and are distancing themselves from that fallout and saving that announcement for a couple months from now. Yeah, they're going to announce platforms for it in the fall. Uh, there is a third thing to consider, given how previous, given how every Dragon Quest game in this decade has come out by way of Nintendo. It probably is going to come down to who's paying for it. And if so, if Sony's paying, then this is a PS4 exclusive. If Nintendo, if it's the standard arrangement that we've had for Dragon Quest Nine, Six, Seven, and Eight, then we're probably looking at either only the Switch or Switch 3DS. And if Square is actually going to do it themselves, likely they would go Switch PS4. Yeah, this is this is a real weird thing. I'm not confident that unless they have a pre-existing deal with Nintendo that says every Dragon Quest game in the next 10 years or something goes through us, PlayStation 4 has too large of an install base to skip. Like, it would make... If there's no deal already tied to this and Nintendo nor Sony is paying real big up front, I... You really need the PS4. Now, 3DS's install base is more... But I'm pretty for sure. I'm pretty sure that the PS4 and the Switch versions are basically the same game. The we we honestly don't know what the deal is with the Switch version because they haven't talked about that version aside from mentioning that it exists for about the last six months. Before that, it was showing as as something similar to the to what the PS4 version would have, sort of the more open style you know, UE, running UE4 and all that. But we we honestly don't know. And the versions that are coming out in Japan, that are out in Japan as we speak, are the PS4 and 3DS versions. Chariot mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Goblin says they would be foolish not to localize the 3DS version. TRBR says, I think if Nintendo brings it over, they will only do one or the other, not both Switch and 3DS. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Switch version comes over, not the 3DS one, and the PS4 version is the other version that comes out. Yeah, I think because if it's the same, like if it's the same game, there is some sort of like password system that you can do to sort of carry your progress across the systems from 3DS to PS4. So I would think if it's the same game, this is the same fact. It's the same factor that would lead me to believe that if Capcom is serious about doing more Switch stuff, and they do Monster Hunter Double Cross as one of those games that they want to bring bring to the West then we see the 3DS version at the same time because it's the same localization. Because mm-hmm. at okay. that point, you're just leaving money on the table, not doing the 3DS version. Because even in even in the best-case scenario that we'll probably talk about in a minute here, the 3DS in North America is still probably going to be outselling the Switch 3 to 1 by the time, by the time Dragon Quest would come out. Mm-hmm. But if Square Enix is making that decision, and if the Switch version of the game is the same as the PS4 version of the game and doesn't require that much extra work, then maybe they only put out one version of the game. Because I'm sure they have some number in their head for how much a Dragon Quest XI can actually sell in the States. They have Dragon Quest Heroes numbers, which is going to be the super diehards buying it, and they're probably going to imagine, okay, we can, we're looking at Dragon Quest Hero sales plus this or Dragon Quest on 3DS plus this. Like, they probably have some idea of what numbers they're looking at, and they're going to look at the install bases of all three, 
how the Dragon Quest games did on 3DS, how the Dragon Quest games did on PS4, and they're probably going to make their decision based on that. Yeah, and what's and what's the active user base for an RPG on the 3DS compared to the active user base for an RPG on the PS4 in 2018? I bet it's going to be pretty good for both. I mean, 3DS I, is going to be well, higher, but I think PS4s is still going to be pretty good. For the because the 3DS like 2018 is likely its last big year, whereas the PS4 is still going to be growing. I mean, I, I don't know so. what to expect out of the 3DS just because it, especially with today, it seems like 3DS, for the most part, with some exceptions, is being targeted at kids at this point. So I don't know if that game is going to do well. As And you see games like Fire Emblem shifting over to Switch as well. So I don't know if the audience would still be there in 2018, whenever this thing comes out. Yeah. Or it can be all three. It could just be all three that come out, and we're just we're just yeah. for for what it's worth. The last thing I can think of that had multiple versions like this was actually Dragon Quest Builders, and they went that was PS4, PS3 beta, and they did not bring over the PS3 version. Mm-hmm. So it was just PS4 and Vita, and in I think in 2018 the 3DS is going to be in the same state that the PS3 was last year. Okay. Which is, it's a, it's probably, which is, it will get one more big game probably shared with another console, and then that's it. Which, for the PS3, ended up being Persona 5. I am very hopeful that 2017 is the last big year of the 3DS, and 2018 is the wind-down year, and 2019 is, uh, is the year. Yeah, it's the select. <laughs> it's the selects here and uh, the Minions Four game <laughs> launching in March. Just that's, Dance that's, Portable. Yeah, uh, DJ Hero. That game's finally coming out on 3DS. Yeah, that, that's that's my hope for the 3DS. And then because the 3DS is in such a precarious situation, it's so hard to guess where everything's actually gonna fall. So we'll see. Nintendo's never been in a position quite like this, so I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. All right, Donald, some financial stuff happened. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Nintendo's first quarter for the fiscal year financials came out with uh, came out, and they are doing quite well with those, actually. Let me just pull the uh, pull the story up here, if I can find it. There it is. Uh, basically, they had um, operating profit $145 million for a quarter. And Nintendo's always talked about the return to Nintendo-like profits, which basically works out to about a billion a year. So if they can keep this pace going through holiday, they're probably going to hit that. Uh, mobile was up 450%. Um, I, we would like to think that it's due to Super Mario Run, but we all know what it is. Waifus. <laughs> uh, uh, Switch sold just under two million in the quarter, so they're at so as of June thirtieth, the Switch user base is about four point seven million, and 3DS under under a million in the quarter, nine hundred fifty sixty seven million. Nintendo has not changed any of their hardware projections for the fiscal year which we thought they might have because, you know, Switch is selling, you know, Switch is barely lasting on shelves. I think yesterday was the first time I saw one on shelves for more than five hours. And it may be a matter of they simply cannot produce any more than the 10 million that they're projecting for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. yeah, also in terms of free money, Mario Kart Deluxe, three and a half million copies in a quarter. In, that's like, That's sexy. <laughs> that is, that is just that is as they say in heroes, disgusting. Isn't that like a sixty or seventy percent attach rate? Uh, that would be, I, th- I believe, your. Let's see, by four divided by four point seven, seventy-five percent. Wow! And, and Breath of the Wild <laughs> just on Switch is at eighty percent because it's at three point nine million. Do uh, you guys both have Mario Kart? I do. I do. do you? Now, Donald, do those count digital sales as well? 
Yeah, this is this is shipped physical and digital because okay. it's coming directly from Nintendo. Cherry Goblin asks, "How did Fire Emblem Echoes do? Is there a number for uh, that?" Uh, we we know it, it had strong sales, but it was not called out as a game that sold a million. If I had to estimate a number, I would probably say about nine hundred thousand. Okay, all right. Which. Which you can attribute to the fact that it's a remake as opposed to an original game with maybe you know fewer fewer waifus, although uh, May is Bay. <laughs> sure thing. But Arc. I mean, for for our for our region, it basically is an original game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's been the top selling 3DS game here the last two months, but it also hasn't charted the last two months, even though the MPD charts haven't like the it, it actually charted in May. It didn't chart in June, but the MPD charts are also based on revenue, which inherently kneecaps any 3DS game from showing up. Mm. Because it's for, because they're capped at 40 bucks unless you do like limited editions, which those all sold out in May. TR says, I think I'm going to reserve my praise for their sales when we pass the Wii U mark when we know we're past the Nintendo hardcore. And to that I say, this time next year, will probably be pretty close to that mark if not surpassing it entirely. The like right now they're at 5 million. I I would the I think the for me the question is can they produce enough that they beat 13.6 million before the calendar year is out let alone the fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if they really go crazy like if they can ramp up if they're ramping up production which is what I thought the purpose of launching in March was to begin with. If they're if they're ramping up production that they can put out enough units that they beat their expectations for the year, they will pass the Wii U yeah. by the end of March. Okay. Okay. RK in the chat, uh, going back to the 3DS stuff. Persona Q2 is coming. Do we think it will be for Switch or 3DS? And and I believe RK is mentioning the uh, the fact that Persona Q2. It's had a website for a while now. I think maybe a year or, or so. They, but now it's the yeah. website's actually on the Atlas servers that are used for the active websites, right? Right. Yeah. The they shifted that and Persona Dance from the holding company that Atlas uses to Atlas themselves or Atlas slash Sega. So we're likely going to see Persona Q2 and Persona Dancing something and maybe Persona 6, I don't know, at a concert that's going to be held in Japan, I believe, the next couple of weeks. Wasn't it Persona 3 was the dancing game they suggested would happen? Or was it Persona uh, 5? Uh, it was either 3 or 5, but the domain, I believe I, the story that I saw with the domain shifting, it, me- it mentioned just Persona Dance, so it could just be a general Persona-themed rhythm game, which, hey, I'd be down for. That series has great music all consistently. Yeah. It's as a, for yeah, as for Q two, it's, it's going to be like I, Final Fantasy, where uh, only seven on are are the games that count. Like I don't think Persona one, two, or Strange or no Strange Journey Sumigami got me Tensei, but I don't think the first two Persona games are going to get much love. Yeah. Anyways, Donald, go but, ahead. But I think Q two, it, it's weird because. Persona Q is so heavily based on Entry and Odyssey, and Entry and Odyssey is so heavily focused on a dual-screen system. There's a non-zero chance that Atlas might do Persona Q2 on the 3DS, but I'd say the odds are even that it's that it's 3DS, Switch, or like Switch slash Vita, that it goes multi-platform at that point. Mm. Vita's not okay. getting anything. I think the Vita is getting. I think the Vita is getting the rhythm game because that did very. The original Dancing on Light did very well for them. Only if it comes out by the middle of next year. I don't think the Vita has a life beyond early 2018. It barely has one in 2017 now. I, even on as far as Japanese games go. And we, and we just talked about the that the, they they put out a PlayStation 3 game like three months ago. Yeah. So if, if any company is going to be if any company is going to be putting out a game on a system way past its useful life, it's Atlas. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 
Now, I believe that takes us into our last two segments of the talk. We have some what we've been playing, but it is two very specific games we've been playing. Uh, We're going to start with Splatoon 2, which came out just after recording last week. We all have Splatoon 2. I played an hour before we started the show. I like it. It's more Splatoon, but uh, you guys are far more qualified to talk about it than uh, than I am. So I'm just gonna hand it off to you. Yeah, I am. I in the single player. I, th- I think I talk about this on the on the what we've been playing on the web that's on the website this week. I'm into World Five of the uh, single player, and I'm about level seven or eight in multiplayer. It's just I, I, I'm back in the situation of yeah. I think the I think Splatoon players are going to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, I I got like the last time I played multiplayer with any any sort of regularity was uh, sun was this past Sunday evening, where like I I got consistently lost. I, I think I lost like seven or eight matches in a row. Jeez, that's brutal. Mm. Uh, and Justin, how how are you doing? Because you yeah. you're not much of a Splatoon guy, but you're wearing a Splatoon sweatshirt, yeah. which I feel is a good sign. Yeah, um, I want to put more time into this game. Uh, I think it has potential, but there are some problems. But first of all, I'll say how far I am. Like Donald did, I'm in. Also, got World Five. I think I'm about level fourteen online, and I've tried some Salmon Run and. Uh, some of the ranked battles. Uh, the game is fun. The base game is fun, but there's some weird design decisions in this game that are just baffling. Like when you pick up this game the first night, there's no way to really voice chat with your friends unless you want to make a private match. There's no way for you to team up with your friends in turf war. I don't think ever, except maybe during a splat fest. And if you pick the same team, I think that's the only way you can team up with your friends in a turf war. Yeah, I've I had um, I actually had a friend of the show, Seren, try to hop in with me. We got teamed up once, and then she was my opponent for the next couple of matches. Yeah, and you can't voice chat with a, if with friends you join during the turf war. It doesn't. You, you can't officially voice chat, but you can still find people to play with on Nintendo World Reports Discord. But well, a little push right there. I a little, respect little plug. That. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but then you're like, okay, I can team up my, with my friends in ranked battle, but you have to unlock that once you hit the level 10. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go play with my friends now that I've hit level 10. But no, you're not. Now you got to hit B- minus in ranked mode before you can team up with your friends in ranked mode. So you have to unlock the unlock. You have to do two unlocks to, I think, play with friends with voice chat competitively in Splatoon 2. And I haven't even gotten that far yet to unlock that, which is ridiculous. And on top of that, uh, Salmon Run isn't available all the time. It's during preset hours, which is rather annoying. But the, the game is fun. When you're actually playing the game with people, it's fun. But there's just these weird design choices, like I said. I, I don't know why they did it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had no interest in trying the salmon run just because I, I want to get through the single player first because I didn't do that the first game, only to find out that they they want you to beat every level with all of the weapons to unlock the hero versions. Like I'm not even sure that's physically possible with some of these weapons. Like any level that would normally require the charger, I don't think I'm going to pull that off with say the splat dualies or a so roller. Do you have to do that to unlock weapons. Uh, the hero versions of the weapons you get. That's I believe you, you like. I, I think there's some levels where they don't ask you to do it, like the charger levels with a roller or the other way around. But yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Thankfully, I did unlock a weapon that I like in through multiplayer progress. So uh, get back on that horse sometime this weekend, hopefully. Nice, nice. As of an hour, I'm on level four in the regular matches because I wanted to unlock Salmon Run since it was active when I was playing. Generally feels like a a slightly tighter Splatoon. I only played one level of the campaign, but it does feel like a more complete package 
even one level in, it feels like a more complete package than the single-player game in the first Splatoon. Because in the first Splatoon, the bosses were really great, and the bosses were a lot like Mario Galaxy. But the other parts of the Splatoon 2 campaign, they were fun. Yet at the same time, they kind of felt like a bunch of challenge levels rather than an actual single-player game that you could sell a game on. And I feel like Splatoon 2, uh, the, the campaign immediately feels far stronger than the first game. I think it's better, but I'm still not impressed by the single-player campaign in Splatoon 2. I'm, I know some people really enjoyed the campaign in the original, but I just don't think it's that great. I'd rather just hop in and play online. I think that's more fun than the single-player has to offer. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm coming to the other conclusion that I'm good at Splatoon because it, it took me a few matches, but I was getting 2,000 regularly in regular matches. Granted, there's a lot of new people, whatever. But I was getting 2,000, which makes me feel like I'm pretty okay at Splatoon. Probably at least B rank for the most part. The tragedy of being good at Splatoon is that I'm only good with the Splattershot Jr., which is basically the equivalent of mastering Smash Bros. with Mario, which is a really sad place to be in. Hey, Mario's a fun character in Smash. Don't knock that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like the only thing you like is vanilla ice cream. You like ice cream as long as it's vanilla ice cream. So it's it's always a bummer to me when I see people having a great time with the splat doolies or the paint rollers or the paintbrushes. And I'm over here and I'm crushing it, but I'm only crushing it with the Splattershot Jr., which is... is, um, I don't think it's I a know. bad weapon. So I, I call it my my empire of dirt, to quote Johnny Cash quoting Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yeah, I, I finally got my first ever arrow spray because I was never able to get that weapon in the first Splatoon. So now I've got it in the in the Splatoon two, and I hope I hope it's as painful for the opponents as it was as it was for me in practically every Splatfest ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Also the. Also, you can cast your votes now for mayonnaise versus ketchup. I'm probably just going to go in and cast my vote, even though I won't be able to play. Are you a mayo or a ketchup guy? I I am a ketchup guy, and I would have said that even if Marina wasn't also team ketchup. Okay, so so Donald, we're still friends, is, is what, what you're telling me right now. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Justin? You seem like a ke- you seem like someone who hates both. I like I like ketchup. I hate mayo. Okay, <laughs> so so we agree that mayo is is really gross and an awful thing. Just yeah. all around. Here's actually no, that's not that's not entirely true. There are a few applications for mayo. One, Japanese mayo is its own thing, and you put it on takoyaki, or you have the spicy mayo on sushi, and all that stuff is delicious. Two, I love my tuna salad. So tuna salad with mayo is A-OK, A-OK, A-OK. Three, Thousand Island dressing, once in a while, is okay on a burger or a Reuben, but that is as far as I'll go with mayo. That's the, it. The only time I can tolerate mayo is when ketchup is also involved, like with a Whopper at Burger King or something. Yeah, yeah. TRBR makes the very poignant point. They seem to want Pearl to lose. I wonder because you know at some point they're going to do the in case of emergency break glass and put out the Marina and Pearl Amiibo. Are they going to do the two pack again and make everybody take Pearl or are they just going to sell them separately? Two pack, Donald. Ms. K3 is saying eat a dry sandwich that let me know, lol. To you, I say barbecue sauce. I I was going to put a little like word after that, but because this is a family friendly show, barbecue sauce. Or, my or, question is, why is this mayo versus ketchup? Shouldn't it be ketchup versus mustard? That one would be tough. Um, to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's because this is also the European one, and I don't know how big mustard is over there. They, yeah. they went with something a little bit more universal, shall we say? Mustard. It all depends on the mustard, and I, I think it. I think it all depends on the uh, on the situation. For instance. I hate yellow mustard. Actually, that's not true. Yellow mustard is one of those things I've never had but assume is gross, so I gag when I'm near it. However, honey mustard is one of the best things in the world. 
and spicy mustard in the context of a deli sandwich is also one of the best things in the world. Let me so ask you this, it. Alex. Okay. What do, you, what do you put on a hot dog? Ketchup and relish. Get out. <laughs> Yo, we on team ketchup versus mayo. Well, let's let's focus on what we have. Hey, I'd, I'd switch teams to mustard if that were the choice. Um, ham, Ms. K3 says ham, cheese, and barbecue sauce. You should not be having a cold cut ham and cheese sandwich in the first place. That that's 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 a poor decision. <laughs> Grbr says ketchup on a hot dog. Are you fucking ten? <laughs> <laughs> He's right. You don't do that to a hot dog. Yo, kids like a lot of the best things. Kids like ice cream, and they like chocolate bars, and they like ketchup on a hot dog. So uh, I always had mustard on it, even as a kid. All right, Mister. I'm Justin. I'm, I'm yeah, an adult. On, guys, no one else. Tell, is. Us, tell me, you also get this had mustard on a hot dog your whole life? Is this the part where, I, where if we're if we're quoting music tonight, I'm gonna go for those fancy Dijon ketchups? <laughs> TRBR kids also like garbage, like ketchup on hot dogs. Uh, yeah. So for the first half of the show, when we were talking about Pokemon Go, there were seven people in the chat. Once we started talking smack about the ketchup versus mayo debate and then brought mustard and barbecue sauce into it for no good reason, our chat numbers doubled very quickly. <laughs> so there you go. Con- clearly conflict is a, is a good thing here. What I'll also say about mustard, and it's not true that I've never had it. I've never had it on its own, and it's something that I admit I irrelevantly don't like because I love a McDouble, and I won't get a McDouble ketchup and cheese only. I'll get it with everything, which includes mustard as part of that combo. So I I suppose it's like mayo, where I won't have it on its own, but when mixed with the proper ingredients, I I can accept mustard as, as part of my life. Ketchup is better. That's I'll, our show. I'll, I'll fight for team ketchup. But. Well, well <laughs> the begrudged alliance. Well, Alex, there's another game that you that you've been playing more than us because you got it for certainly the right price. It's it's the uh, the Donald transition into. Come on, let's wrap up the show soon. Which yeah. which I which which I respect because we've been talking about ketchup for ten minutes. I am the person on the show who has been playing. Hey, Pikmin, oh, a game with a wonderful cover. It's, it's a 2D Pikmin game made by Arzest. It came out today, and I got it for 6 bucks as part of the Amazon Prime Day kerfuffle where there were all these price errors, and totally all of them got shipped out, which was a beautiful thing. I played... Mm-hmm. Some, some people got me Topia for 6 bucks, which, that sounds about right. That sounds like almost too much at the same time. I, I kind of wish Metopia was was like a pack-in type game that was sold for twenty full price and then less after that. I don't know. Anyways, I I'm throwing shade at Metopia because it doesn't look like a game I would enjoy. But that came out today also. I've been playing Hey Pikmin. I'm one world deep, which means I have played all four main levels and the bonus level because I I unlocked a secret exit and then I've done some of the other amiibo stuff. And let me just say that immediately the first impressions for Hey Pikmin are far more positive than uh, Yoshi's New Island. Because Yoshi's New Island felt like Arzest was commissioned to do a game, or they decided to do a game, but there really wasn't much of a heart behind what I was playing in Yoshi's New Island. Yeah, Yoshi's New Island just starts out and hits you with that horrible title screen music right from the start. Yeah, it's not a bad game. It's an okay game, but it's it doesn't feel very inspired or no. or I I hesitate to call it good. I feel like the levels were too long in that, and it, there were a lot of fu spots when looking for items in the level. Where like, oops, I went too far. Wait, there's the item, and I can't go back. At best, it was a lesser Yoshi's Island levels. The best levels of Yoshi's New Island are like mid-tier Yoshi's Island 1 levels. And it makes you appreciate Yoshi's Island DS as like a decent game. An, an overall decent game. Anyways. Yeah. World 1. Complete. And hey, Pikmin. It's a good game. It's a slow, decently methodical platformer. Not slow in a bad way. 
it's uh it's deliberately slow and it's it's it kind of has some puzzle platformy things the demo's available I, I won't explain how the game is played other than it's pikmin in as a 2d platformer you throw pikmin you whistle there's a jet pack so that you can you can get to high areas the levels are very labyrinth like like a um almost like the underground levels in the original yoshi's island these game the the levels I've played so far feel a lot like that, and I can say with with some confidence that I'm having quite a bit of fun doing some Yoshi's Island style exploration and some Pikmin uh, charm. Because because if you think about it, the Pikmin are just Nintendo's minions, except not nearly as popular. But the Pikmin are Nintendo's minions. I thought it was Toad and all those Mario RPGs. Or. It's oh, it's but I'm. Are we talking about? We're talking about Despicable Me minions. Well, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, there's like how many toads just running around these days? Yeah, but toads, <laughs> toads, they have too much personality. I, I think Pikmin do their silent expressiveness. Okay, well, that, I could that, see that. That that sort of it, it acts as a nice homage to minions, if you will. Um. Yeah, I've been playing Hey Pikmin. The boss fight was pretty fun. The levels are like sprawling Yoshi's Island levels, except it plays like Pikmin. I'm kind of I'm kind of talking in circles because I'm trying to think of new things to say about it. Other than I'm about an hour in and I'm having quite a bit of fun. Well, tell us how that secret exit worked. Or... Yeah. So the way the secret exit worked, you played the demo, Justin. Yeah, I didn't find a secret exit in the one or two levels I did. Right, right, okay. So the way it works is, if you're pretty smart about platformers, and, and I mean sort of the Donkey Kong Country return school of platformers, where you know to go back every time a level gives you the opportunity to backtrack in a way that's not actually backtracking. It's about sort of looking at little crevices and being like, that might be able to fit a Pikmin in there, or Olimar might be able to fit in there. It's going through a couple of those to find a secret exit. So you're utilizing... It's a strategy puzzle platformer game that utilizes your platform strategy skills, if that makes sense. Because it forces... It doesn't force you, but encourages you to backtrack in ways that look like backtracking, but are just less intuitive ways of completing the level to unlock more levels. Um... If, if if that answers your question, Justin, a little bit, yeah. Okay, it's it's one of those things that you got to play to believe. It's the same way that a secret exit works in any other Nintendo platformers, where there's a very direct way you're supposed to go and a less direct way. That if you go there, and and you sort of do do a tricky thing or two, you'll end up at the secret exit. Cool. Okay. Uh, there there's some stuff in the chat. I'll I'll get to you guys in a second. The other thing I want to touch on is the Amiibo support, which is quite good. Um, because, so, so you know how the analysis stuff in, Pik, in Pikmin, when they pick up a fruit, the peach is like pink slurpy werpy derpy? Like, like you, know, you know how like yeah. Pikmin likes to do their funny titles? Yeah. So in Hey Pikmin, there are 42 compatible Amiibo figures. The other ones will give you a couple points, but uh, the, there are 42 compatible Amiibo. And in my collection of maybe 20, about five or six worked. Actually, it might be three or four. It's sort of, you you get the amiibo, you put it on the 3DS, and it sort of gives you a bonus level, which is a slightly modified version of another bonus level in the game that just replaces the actual uh, reward with an amiibo. All you need to know is that you're doing a small level of the game in order to get these amiibo. And after you collect them, you get more points for your ship, uh, which is which is something I'm not even going to explain. But it's the whole premise of the game where you have to you have to get thirty thousand of the currency in order to beat the game, and this gives you more of that currency. Anyways, I should see one, if I could beat the game without playing any levels and just scanning the amiibo. There's forty two, which means that two hundred times five, a thousand. You might be able to get like five thousand. So, so you'd get a chunk of the way. You could probably get 30,000 before beating the game, but you wouldn't get it necessarily on its own. Now, my other question is, once you scan the amiibo, does that like save the level to the game, or do you can you only play that level immediately? No, no, no. So in each world, 
Sometimes when I'm describing games I've only played an hour of, I'll be a little confusing with describing okay. them. For, for which I apologize, but I'm going to do my best here. Here's, here's the layout of World 1 and Hey Pikmin. There are four regular levels. That's A, B, C, and D. World 1, A, B, C, and D. And then there's E, which is the boss fight. So there's those five levels. There's also a bonus level, which is a full level of the game that you unlock through an alternate exit. There are also three or four tiny one-screen maps that you that have one little puzzle. And once you beat those little puzzles, you unlock a token for eight more Pikmin for your Pikmin farm, or you unlock an item that gives you a bonus sort of for your Pikmin points that allow you to beat the game after getting 30,000 of them. So there are three or four of these tiny one-screen puzzle levels. The, the Amiibo just replaces a random one of those levels. And it's not a new level of the game. It's the exact same puzzle with the exact same solution. Only instead of the eight Pikmin token, you get a Mario Amiibo instead. So there's no new levels. You just get Amiibo. And then you get extra points that allow you to beat the game faster, or at the very least make it so you don't have to do the... Uh, you don't have to explore quite as much before beating the game. Anyways, who cares? You can play <laughs> the game and figure it out yourself. I know this is getting more confusing the more I explain it, but that's okay. It made some sense to me. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad. Anyways, when you get the Amiibo and they end up entering your library, they all have very Pikmin-like descriptions. And, and Polygon has an excellent article about them. For instance... Mario becomes Dungareed Colossus. <laughs> Rosalina becomes Fashion Mystery. Bowser becomes Fearsome Boss. And then my favorite, Tom Nook becomes Uncomfortable Swaddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Spar- uh, Marie becomes sparkling ingenue, ingenue, which I'm guessing is probably a scientific thing for squid. Anyways, th- they're all fantastic. Well, in- ingenue, I think that's like the royal term, although ingenue, I think, might be the term you're looking for. It's Yeah, it's, it's that, I'm sure. Cherry Goblin says, the Smash Amiibo are not compatible with this game. That is not actually wait is that true i don't the i think it was like mario series and animal crossing i know were the ones that work and i think the other one like zelda i'm surprised the source didn't bundle the game with those animal crossing amiibo you're right you're actually right cherry goblin or at least from my experience you're right because i was looking at the amiibo on my shelf and i was looking at which ones actually worked and it was kk slider it was Tom Nook, and it was Inkling Boy, which is which is the one Inkling oh, Amiibo yeah, I have. So the third one would be Splatoon, then. Right, so Splatoons are is, is also in the game. Anyways, before I go into the chat and then close off the show, all I want to say is that my early impressions of Hey Pikmin are very positive. I recommend the demo, and if you have the opportunity to play it, it seems totally good so far. Um, Tarek Goblin says the Smash Amiibo don't give you figurines. As far as I know, you are correct. Anyways, here's here's some some late chat stuff we got. Oh, small dream. Pikmin are an homage to something that wouldn't be created until almost a decade later. That was the joke. Um, RK says, gonna have to disagree there on me saying Yoshi's New Island was okay. Yoshi's New Island was horrific. It makes the new Super Mario Bros. games look like a masterpiece. That might be because the original new Super Mario Bros. game might be a masterpiece. I disagree with you there. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I I think new Super Mario Bros. 1 is excellent. New Super <laughs> Mario Bros. 2 is underrated. New Super Mario Bros. U is a great game that will never be appreciated because it was the second game to come out that year. And every time I think of that game, I just feel exhaustion. And Don't then it, the Luigi. Wii U Super Mario 2, uh, I, I will go to my grave thinking New Super Mario 2 should have been a Wario game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
you could have just did just change the sprite. It would have been great. It if didn't it even have like to be that, Wario. I'd be happy, but if it played like a Wario Land game, no. The most, the most forgettable new Super Mario Bros. game has got to be the Wii one. By far, the the original Wii game, which there was nothing wrong with it, but it it feels like it feels like a very unnecessary game. New Super Luigi U. Now that might be one of the strongest new Super Mario Bros. games. I, I think I think that one. Was think about it, like. New Super Mario Brothers 2 came out, and then quickly after you, and then after that, Luigi. Mm-hmm. Well, Luigi was DLC for, yeah. for you. But they also sold it separately. Uh, Ms. K3. The one with the blue shell power-up is awesome. That is the DS game. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Cherry Goblin says, I bought the game full price. He's talking about Pikmin. It's worth it. He also agrees with me and says that I am right that new Super Mario Bros. DS is, is, is a wonderful time. Granted, in my defense, Justin, talking to someone who is 10 years older than me, almost, I played new Super Mario Bros. on DS in 2006, maybe 2007, which would have meant that I was 12 or 13 years old. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little so, different so, for me. <laughs> so that has a little context. It's uh, I'll ask you what your Mario game was when you were 12 and 13 years old, and then I'll ask you which uh, Mario game you'll defend to the death, and I bet those are the same answer. I guess when I was 11, I had Mario 64, so... <laughs> is, this, is that the one you will fight to the death for? I would... Oh, I'd fight to the death for uh, Super Mario Brothers, the original. I love that game. Yeah. But Mario 64 is probably up there, too, because that was groundbreaking, and I still think it's probably the best 3D Mario game. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, my, I think mine from that time would be Yoshi's Island and Mario 64, but uh, I'll go to the wall for three in the original Galaxy. TRBR, which, with, with one of my favorite comments uh, of the night. I was 25 in 07, ellipses, frowny face. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and then Donald, yours was mine. I was twelve in '96, so it would have been coming off Yoshi's Island, going into '64. But my 2D Mario of choice is still Mario Three, and my 3D Mario of choice is Galaxy One. I, I have I have a question to posit you, Justin, and and Donald, you you can off you can answer this too, of course. Sure. If so let's say the evolution of video games was exactly the same. So we don't we don't do any of this. If Mario didn't exist, then this game wouldn't exist. We know that. Let's say all the other games still existed, and the original Super Mario Brothers one was released as a new game in 2017. And I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and just say none of the Mario games exist, and no one's comparing Mario compared to the Mario games that have come out in the past. So it's just Super Mario Bros. One coming out on July 28th. 2017 as a new game let's say on the eShop do you think it still flies uh probably not because there's no save feature see you can save it who cares save it (laughs) i mean the deluxe version did do some improvements to that game though i think i think it would be great if they made deluxe but also made it the full screen instead of cramming everything into the game boy color screens I think if it had better graphics and it, you mean deluxe? If they just put out deluxe, deluxe with a wider screen view, uh, could be, or even like the even using like the Mario All Stars palette. The only thing is, please not that version. It it's hard to say if like the evolution of the games is the same if Mario doesn't show up because so many games ripped it off over the next thirty odd years. Mm -hmm. Yep. TR says Deluxe was crap because of the resolution limit. It was it was still a fine game that was heavily hampered. I mean, yeah, that's why I said I'd love to see a Deluxe version of that game put out that gave you the full screen like the NES version. I think that would be fantastic. What if Super Mario Deluxe launched a new IP? And, and it, what if it launched the Mario IP today? And I, I wonder what I the mean, really weird thing about that because where would Nintendo be without that Mario IP? 
But yeah, Nintendo but exists exactly the way it does. It's just in the Nintendo that exists today, if they launched Nintendo, uh, if they launched Mario in 2D as a new franchise today, I wonder what the next game in that series would be. And then obviously Odyssey wouldn't exist because we're talking about all Mario games starting over from scratch. This is just a weird question, Alex. I know. I'm, I'm, it's, <laughs> it's, it's impossible. It's a, it's 11.04. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm doing some thought experiments. Anyways, 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 I think that's our show for tonight. We went almost an hour. We got some good talk in the second, in the back half. We got some decent talk in the first half. I, I call that, I call that quite a successful show, gentlemen. Go to NintendoWorldReport.com. Read some great content. Go, go to Nintendo World Report on Discord. Play some Splatoon 2 with us. Go to Patreon.com slash NWR. And donate some uh, some of that green to the site that supports us. Go to Twitter and type in at King Nintendo Fan in order to follow Mr. Justin Baruby. Go to Twitter and type in at Donald Mick to follow Mr. Donald Terrio. Go to Twitter and type in at NFR Podcast to follow Donald's other podcast, Nintendo Free Radio. Go to Twitter and type in at Kulafia, C-U-L-A-F-I-A, in order to follow yours truly. I do believe that's a show, gentlemen. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.